You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers Relationship Ethics. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What would it look like for people to act on earth like people act in heaven? How would it shape our lives if we were able to reflect heaven? How would it shape the way we view our money? How would it change the way we approach work? How would it mold the way we love others on earth as it is in heaven? So welcome to 12 Stone Across the Campuses Online. So glad you're here today. You have picked a great day. This is going to be powerful. It's going to be practical. God's going to help us. So I'm glad you're here. In fact, you should just start with that. High five your neighbor and tell everybody around you, I'm glad you're here. If you're online, high five whoever's with you or high five yourself. So glad you're here because God is going to help us today. Now, James, the younger brother of Jesus, launched a chapter four of James with a question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? It's a great question. The Toy Story film franchise just finished film four, and they have grossed over $3 billion in the franchise. Out of curiosity, how many of you have seen already this past year uh, Toy Story 4? Any, any of you see, how about that? How many of you seen any of Toy Story ever of the four films? I mean, you just see it all over the book. How else could they get $3 billion if we're not participating? <laughs> and, that, and that film series launched out of this kind of conversation. Literally out of what James is talking about. Look at the whole of what James writes. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle where everybody within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. See, the the Toy Story franchise of films is built around a a famous fight. It goes all the way back to Buzz Lightyear and Woody, the easygoing sheriff, who who just keeps the peace with everyone. But when Buzz shows up, he gets the center of attention, and that unsettles Woody. In fact, Woody now discovers he's got a battle within. I mean, he's got this coveting and this jealousy and this, I don't like this world anymore. And his self-centeredness causes him to turn on Buzz. In fact, he he tries to kill Buzz, get rid of Buzz. He he makes sure Buzz gets knocked out of the bedroom window, which is just horrible for a toy. And and then he ends up on this this car ride to purgatory. But all the other toys figure out what what Woody's done. They realize Woody's really self-centered. Well, now Woody's got to go repair all that if he's going to restore relationships. So so he's got to go rescue Buzz. Now he's not doing it because he cares about Buzz. He's still self-absorbed. And what happens next is the original fight that launched the whole series. So here it is. Buzz! Buzz! 
great. Oh, I'm saved. I'm saved. Andy will find you here. He'll take us back to the room, and then you can tell everyone that this was all just a big mistake. Huh? Right? Buddy? I just want you to know that even though you tried to terminate me, revenge is not an idea we promote on my planet. Oh, well, that's good. But we're not on my planet, are we? No. Okay, come on! You want a piece of me? Well, there you have it, the original fight that started the whole thing. And we call it a kid's movie. But it's not really a kid's subject only, is it? See, those are adult-sized issues. Meaning we have wars within. Things we want and desire. We're self-centered. And we're double-minded in all that. Oh, we want a great marriage and a great family. We want everybody to get along. We, 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 want, we want harmony at work, and we want people to work together. We want to live in a community that gets along. We want to live in a nation that's united. We, we want to live in a world that has peace. But, but in the midst of that, we're messing it all up. It really begs just sitting back and reflecting on real questions like, like like these, how can you experience God's plan for joy in life and relationships? Just think about that. How do you live above the brokenness of relationships and marriage and family and friendship, church among coworkers, neighbors, or our nation? How, how do you solve a world of relationships entrenched in quarrels, fights, hatred, bitterness, lying, envy, adultery, anger, gossip, meanness, or pettiness? I mean, how do, how do we live better than irresponsibility or racism or injustice or self-centeredness? I mean, these, these are the big adult-sized issues. And Jesus gives an answer. They, look what Jesus says. Live the golden rule rooted in prayer. Live the golden rule. Live the what, everybody? Rooted in what? Now, if you're a note taker, I wish you would be. I wish you'd write this stuff down right here. What? I wish you'd get out your notes, cross campuses online. I wish you'd write that down. Live the golden rule rooted in prayer. I, I wish you'd write down, prayer fosters a relationship with God that leads to life-giving relationships with others. That's the aha. I mean, how do, you, how do you solve the weight of what's broken in relationships and so messed up? And in the midst of that, Jesus says, live the golden rule, rooted in prayer. Now, I put that up there. You might think, well, I, really? All the complexity that I have in navigating relationships at work and building a business and we're aspiring our business and we're trying to get somewhere financially and we're trying to make accomplishment. I got to build a team. That's the solution? Really? I got to make marriage work and family work. I have dreams for my family. I'm raising kids. I got my young kids. I'm raising them up. I got teenagers. I got to send them out. And this is the answer? You, you might not buy that as a solution. Maybe, maybe you've been exposed to prayer 
as some religious ritual that's kind of a dead end, waste of time. So, my invitation is, jump in with both feet today. Because Jesus wants to awaken us to what we do not see and what we do not understand. Think about this. He left heaven, God, the creator, who spoke all things into being. That's his claim. Left heaven, this divine being who is everywhere present and limits himself to a physical body, time and space, for the sake of bringing a message to us. And we consider his teachings a waste of time? That, that's not the answer? To live the golden rule and live worded, uh, rooted in prayer, that's not it? We better get a hold of the teachings of Christ. This is transforming, if you'll get it, if you'll do it. What did he teach? We began by teaching us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer is us connecting in relationship with the living God. We are spirit beings wrapped in a physical body. We're designed to live in connection with him. And that in doing that, we would discover, we would learn and discern the will of God. And then by the power of God, obey him on earth the same way they would in heaven. In other words, we are here to bring heaven to earth. That's, that's our role as followers of Christ. We're finally the group that helps to get, demonstrate what it means to live how God created and designed us to live, to solve all these big relationship world challenges from marriage to family to friendship to, to church to work to, to the world around us. And then Jesus delivers. On earth it is, is, is in heaven. Well, what's going on in heaven? Well, in heaven, the, 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 the conflict within has been resolved. There's no conflict with each other. There's complete unity and peace. I want that. I want that in my marriage. I want that in my family. I want that with my kids. I, I want that with the world around me. I want that in my church. I want that, I want that in my business. I want that in my country. I want that in the globe, around the globe. And then Jesus tells, well, how? So in Matthew 7, 12, he gives the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Everybody online, cross campus, just read this, this with me aloud. All of us together. Right? Let's do this. Here, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, in these first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives insightful, practical, and complex teaching. Not, not complex to understand, but, but difficult to do. And then James chapter 4, where we've already started reading, it's almost like the first 12 verses of, of chapter 4 in James is a commentary to Matthew chapter 7. Because it's right there that James acknowledges there are fights and quarrels among us. We have battles going on inside us. We're like Woody and Buzz. We, we got things unresolved. And this isn't just kids' issues. This is adult issues. This operates everywhere in our world. And then he gets really practical. Handle relationship pressure through prayer. And I don't, stay with me here. Don't, don't disconnect. Oh, there we are, the prayer thing. No, no, just stay with me. He's saying, handle relationship pressure through prayer. And he gives us the prayer. Submit yourselves then to God. Pray. That's what he said, pray. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. That's pray. He's how you pray. Come near to God and he will come near to you. 
That is his presence. You, you draw near to God, God draws near to you. You get the presence of the living God. He goes on, purify your hearts, you what, everybody? Double-minded. We'll talk about that. Change your laughter to mourning. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. In other words, you'll not only get the presence of God when you draw near, you get the power of God. God will lift you up. This is transforming. But the reality is we are double-minded. What is double-minded? Double-minded means you have a conflict within you. In other words, you know the right thing to do, but you don't always do it. You have conflicted things. You know the thing you ought to do and you want to do, but then you don't do it. You have a war within you. Listen, you have to resolve the war within you before you can resolve the wars around you and you'll need the power of God to resolve the wars within you which is why you need to go to God and go with prayer he's very practical listen if you can't understand this whole idea of double minded I wrote some out just to help us this is double minded this is what it means we want to be understood but we don't want to have to understand We want to save money, but we want to spend money for immediate wants. We want to be fit, but we eat fat. I thought by the time we got there, you'd go, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. He's he's starting to make sense. Good, good. We want the blessings of God, but we don't want to obey God. We want a marriage that loves, but the freedom to lose our temper. We want a church that gives generously, but we don't want to give. We want safe roads, but we'll drink and drive buzz. We want to be sexually pure, but we'll indulge lust, porn, and sex outside of marriage. Oh, we want the presence and the power of God in prayer, but we excuse ourselves into a prayerless lifestyle. Oh, we want what 21 days of prayer uh, did and to continue, but we won't show up on Saturdays for the 8 a.m. all church prayer time. Oh, we want others to be tolerant of our views while we are intolerant of their views. We want church to be a serving people, but we don't want to serve. We want to be forgiven, but we don't want to forgive. In other words, we're double-minded. Anyone, anyone at all going to own any of those? Anyone? Hands up, hand, minds up. And by the way, look around you right now across campus. Hands back up. Look around you. The people with no hands up, go spend time with them. I have no idea how they're doing it. We're so proud of you. You're so righteous. It's going to take the power of God to solve this. So look, what I'm about to do, I know it's hokey. Do it anyway. Everybody get your hands free. Get your two hands free. Okay, just online, cross campuses, wherever you are, right here in the room, get your hands free. You ready? Do this right here. We have conflict within. That's what we're talking about. And here's what James is telling us. Here's what Jesus is teaching us. You, you have to turn this conflict within to prayer. Just get to it. Maybe when you were a kid, you learned how to pray. You fold your hands you just, and, you, and you pray. Good. This, this is what we do. You pray. Now, stay with me. There are two sides to this prayer. On one hand, what he's telling us is you have to surrender your double-mindedness. Watch. When you're in the middle of any relationship, any day, multiple times throughout the day, the reality is you know the right thing to do and you can't hardly make yourself do it. You know that you are double-minded. You have conflict within. You, on one hand, you surrender double-mindedness to God. You say, oh, dear God, I'm double-minded. I have conflict within. I know the right thing to do, and I, I, I can't hardly make myself do it. When he says, turn your laughter to mourning, he says, quit laughing off your double-mindedness. It's killing your relationships. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Meaning, listen, the power of God defeats double-mindedness. 
You can't do it on your own. You need his power. That's why you have to pray. On one hand, you surrender double-mindedness. On the other hand, he gives you more grace. Look at James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives us what? More grace. Say it again. But he gives us what, everybody? Watch this. On the other hand, God gives more grace. So you surrender double-mindedness in prayer, and you ask for more grace. That's what you do in prayer. And, and prayer defeats double-mindedness. God gives you more grace so you can give more grace to others. Do it, watch it again. You, you, you surrender in prayer double-mindedness, and, and prayer defeats. The power of God defeats double-mindedness, and he gives you more grace so you can give more grace to others. Listen, I don't have the grace to give to others, but God gives me more grace, so I have grace to give to others. That's how I can live out the golden rule. I need the power of God to change me from the inside, solve the conflict within me so that I can give more grace to those around me, and I will need God's grace to do it. Everybody got it? The answer is yes, because we're going to keep teaching. We, therefore, live the golden rule rooted in prayer. See, prayer fosters a relationship with God that leads to life-giving relationships with others. Now, let's go get practical. How do you do this? Let's go apply what we just talked about. we got to get through beyond this and get to this. How do you go live that out? I'm glad you asked. Three things. This is all we have time for. Here's the first one. Start with self and end with others. Start with self and end with others. Write it down. Get it in your head. God, help us get it in our heart. You start with who? And end with who? Now, many times we have been taught and we've said in environments of church and, and from scripture that Jesus said, you start with others. I know what we mean. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's actually not what he taught. What he taught is you start with yourself. Do unto others what you'd have them do unto you. You start with you. Here's why. You're already a fallen, morally fallen human being. And, and sin makes you self-centered. It's its very essence. So you're already starting with yourself. Jesus says, start there. You're already self-centered. So you're at a good starting point. Start with yourself. Just don't stay there. See, we tend to start with ourselves and end with ourselves. It's all about ourselves. And what's wrong with everybody else is they're not about us. I mean, honestly, my marriage and family and work would be fine, y'all, if y'all would be about me. I don't know why that's difficult for you, but it seems to be. You know, Jesus says, start with self. Listen, people say, I just don't know what to do in my marriage. That's not true. You know more than you think you know because you know how you want to be treated and how you don't want to be treated. Oh, I don't know what to do with my family. Our family's so broken. Yes, you do. If you would just treat each other the way you want to be treated, you already know how you want to be treated, so don't pretend you don't know. Well, I don't know what to do at work. Our work is just so messed. It's, just, it's so messed up at work, and people can't, we can't build team. I don't know what to do at work. Yes, you do. Because you know how you want to be treated. You know more than you think you know. How do you want to be treated? You want to be valued? Come on. You want to be valued. You want to be respected. You want to be appreciated. Right? We can go on with that list. You know what you don't want. You don't want hatred, antagonism, malice, slander, pettiness, meanness. You, 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 don't, you, you don't want any of that. You don't want people around who make it more difficult for everybody else, right? Then don't be that person. You say, start with yourself and then end with others. But when you end with yourself, everything gets messed up. That's what breaks things down in marriage, in family, in church, in business, in a nation, and in a world, is that we get so wrapped up with ourselves that we can't get beyond ourselves. So, so what God is saying is what? What God is saying is start with yourself and then disrupt yourself so that you move it to be about others. 
See, right here in the middle, you have to disrupt it. Start with self. And before you end, pray. See, many times during the day, 10, 20, 30 times during the day, you're going to be in moments of relationship, whether marriage, family, at school, at college, on a sports team, at work, in business, at a park, on the road. Let's not talk about on the road. So, but <laughs> where you're thinking about yourself and you need to pray to say, oh, dear God, I am about myself. And, and I am so double-minded. Would you defeat that and give me more grace so that I can end with others? Now, many times, I start with myself. I pray, and God help me be about others. And I have good intentions, right? Don't you? I mean, like, I have some, some great intentions. One of those happened with uh, Jaden, my 16-year-old. Uh, he and I went hunting a couple weeks ago. It was his first time to ever hunt. Uh, I'd only been hunting one other time. That was uh, uh, last year. I went quail hunting with some guys, and I'd never quail hunted before. I'd never eaten quail, and, and I ate the quail. I was like, man, that's fantastic. I enjoyed it. The, the, the birds, you know, do this erratic pattern. They're hard to hit. It's kind of fun. I just walking through the woods with the dogs. I mean, this is cool. So I had a good time, and I, I probably got eight, nine, ten birds on the morning hunt, eight, nine, ten birds in the afternoon hunt, maybe 20 birds last year, and I was like, man, if I could get 20 birds again, that'd be great, but I'm going to take Jaden with me, and so my intentions are to have a father and son time, to have a bonding, to, to, get, to get connected, to be deeper, to just, you know, make me big, better father-son relationship. And I want him to do well. I hope he likes it. He's got some skill in this, but he's never hunted before. And he's, he, he, you know, just learning a little bit how to, the whole clay pigeon thing. So, so we go there. I'm like, you'll just learn it. So we get out and, and we're there in the first hunt in the morning. It's about two and a half, three hours of, of a hunt. And for the first hour, we're not doing very well. I mean, the birds are safe. Just fly near us. You're safe. Nothing's going to happen to you because we're not hitting them. It takes a while to get reoriented to it. But by get time getting to the second hour, I'm, I'm starting to hit a few. I'm saying, oh, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And, and Jane starts hitting them. And pretty soon he says, well, I have five. How many do you have? <laughs> well, I have four. And you have five. Pretty soon I got five. You got five. I got six. You got five. All of a sudden, my good intentions of my son to have a wonderful time in bonding, I just frankly want to win. Now, I want him to have a good time, but I need him to lose. That's just, that's just so the competition starts building. Now, now, now we're near that morning, the end of the morning hunt, and, and the guide is bugging me just a little bit because he's starting to get on Jaden's side. He's like, you know what? That kid's pretty good. He's never done this before. No, I've never seen anybody pick it up so fast. I mean, that, guy, that kid's eye-hand coordinated. Jaden, why don't you come over and stand here? I said, why do you keep making the birds fly uh, better for him than they do? I mean, I'm, I'm just starting to get annoyed. I'm not, I'm becoming about myself. I'd already decided it was going to be about him, but when it got competitive, I'm like, I'm not sure I want it to be about him. Have you ever gotten in the middle of doing the right thing and you questioned yourself? I'm not sure. I think I want to go back to me. Well, we got done and I'd hit 14 birds in the morning, which was better than I did last year, but he got 16. That's deeply annoying. We're in the afternoon hunt, and I gotta, I gotta get now more than him, and I gotta make up the two loss. I gotta sit there at lunch and listen to him, the guy, and all the other hunters. How you doing? We're doing fine. Let's not talk numbers. We're good. We're good. How did this become a competition? But once we got in the afternoon, I'm going to take him down. I mean, I love him, but I'm going to take him down. I'm, I'm, I'm going to win. But then the, the guide keeps supporting Jane. And now we're, we're halfway through the afternoon hunt. I said, uh, guide, Gary, uh, do you know I give the tip at the end of this? Have you figured out who pays for this and how this could? Yeah, but your kid's amazing. Oh, shut up. You know what I'm saying? And then pretty soon it's like, well, you're doing good, Dad. Oh, pacify me. That'll help. 
So at the end of the afternoon hunt, uh, I got 16, and Jaden got 17. <laughs> so he beat me for the day. And I, don't God, do not applaud for him. Do not applaud for him. Are you right now doing unto others what you would have them do unto you? I didn't feel like you were practicing that to me. Oh, listen, we can start with ourselves and know we need to end with others and end up back at ourselves so fast. And it's broken. And it's costing us. And it's killing us. Let me just ask you something. What kind of marriage do you want? Be that person. What kind of family do you want? Then be that person. What kind of church do you want? Well, then be that person. What kind of business culture do you want to be in? Be that person. What kind of country do you want to live in? Then be that person. Jesus is saying it's that simple. That's how profound this is. Start with yourself and with others. Here's the second one. Here we go. Second one, do your job joyfully. Say it with me, everybody. Do what? Do your job how? Oh, yeah. Do your what? Have you ever had this thought before that do unto others as you would have them do unto you involves your job? Keep listening because you don't want to clean up after other people, right? Oh, and we all have a lot of jobs. We have a lot of roles. Like one of them is being a citizen. I was in ninth grade. My biology teacher uh, took three of us uh, on a little afternoon field trip uh, to the slaughterhouse to pick up cow eyes that we were going to dissect in class. It was one of the coolest, most disgusting things. I carried out a bag of 50 cow eyes, a plastic see-through bag. It was creepy, and I couldn't look at it, and I couldn't turn away. It was, it was, just, it was that kind of horrific thing. And we're driving back to school, and it's on a hot uh, Michigan afternoon, and the windows are open, and, and, and my friend, Fred Brandt, is in the back seat with me, and he finishes his Coke, uh, and he throws the can out the window. And the teacher practically slammed on the brakes and pulled off the road and turned around and gave a lecture. She said, young man, this is not just your world. This is everyone's world. And you are responsible for your part in this world. And nobody wants to clean up after you. So y'all get out of the car, and we did. It was Michigan, so it wasn't y'all, but I'm down south, so it was y'all. Y'all get out of the car, and we did. And she made us walk along the road until Fred found his can. And she made us pick up other litter along the way. And she says, you like picking up after other people? No, they never litter again. Be responsible for yourself. Pick up after yourself so nobody else has to. Well, that wasn't a bad little lesson. You, you know what? I, I, I never forgot. I, I just, I, from that moment, I'm like, I don't litter. And, and listen, you are a citizen. You live in a world with others. And you have a whole lot of roles. And nobody wants to clean up after you. If this is not clear, let me keep going. When you get married, you're a husband and a wife you have a role and responsibilities. Nobody wants to clean up after you in this culture. When you become a mom and a dad, you have children. No one wants to clean up after you. Oh, now it's getting quiet. 
When, when you get to your job at work, don't you just wish everybody would do their job? If you would just do your job, I could do my job, and the whole job would get done for heaven's sakes. Don't you just get tired of cleaning up after irresponsible people who do not do their job? Don't you? I mean, you know, how much better? Listen, how much better? Maybe you've never thought about it, but doing to others as you'd have them doing to you means if you would do your job, everybody else could do their job and the whole job gets done. Look, you're at, if you are a follower of Christ, you have a job. Your number one job is to bring heaven to earth. Do your job. Do your job. Do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Your number one job is to bring heaven to your marriage, to bring heaven to your family, to bring heaven to your work. Your job is to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome to your job. Do your job. And do it how? Put this thing back on here. I know it's behind me. But do it how? I'll just say it. Joyfully. How? Joyfully. How many of you like being around people who whine and complain? I mean, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Do you like being around whiners? Complainers? Did that drive you nuts? You get at work, people in the hallway whispering, I'm just sick of this place. Just my boss. I'm not talking about coworkers. I'm not talking about everybody you but you is a jerk. I don't know. I don't want to be in a place like this. We don't even want you in a place like this. Do your job joyful. Parents, could you imagine your kid comes home from school? He's a student. She's a student. And they got this. They figured out, do your job joyfully. Your job's a student. You imagine them coming home, walking in. Hey, hey. Good day at school. Good enough. I learned stuff. I have got a pile of homework to do. Listen, I want to get on some video games. I want to go hang out with some friends. I got some sports to do. But you know what? Most important thing right now, you're working hard so I can have a good education. I'm just going to go in my room. I'm going to dig it out. And then when they come out, they're like, I think I got it. I'm going to go kill this test. <laughs> mom, dad, dad, mom, look. You've worked hard. It's my turn to clean up after dinner here. Listen, y'all just go relax. I got this. And, I, and they whistle while they work. You know what? It's my turn to take out the trash. I'm going to whistle on the way down and make sure it comes back. I got this. I'd, I would believe in aliens, right? Like, that, like that's the parent. How many of you, just by a show of applause and hallelujah, how many parents would love to have that kind of thing happening in your house? So is that what they're getting from you? Because we might be getting what they're giving. Because this isn't just a kid's conversation. This is adult-sized issues. You didn't like that turn, did you? I did. Listen. Do it joyfully. Don't vomit on other people. Let me play that out. 
That needs an explanation. When, when my kids were young, my, my kids, vom, most all of them, have vomited on me at least one or more times. And I've had to catch it. Have you ever, a parent, have you ever had to catch it in your hand? How many parents have ever had to catch it in their hand or you were vomited on? It, it, the, and the chunks start falling off? And you're trying to make it to the bathroom? It's the most disgusting. Like, by the time you get to the bathroom, you're throwing up? You're just like... <laughs> That's kept some people from being parents right there. They've watched it. They throw up on you. It's disgusting. When you're a complainer and a whiner at work and at home and at church, you're throwing up emotionally on other people and nobody likes it. Quit being that person. Just quit being that person. Do unto others as you have to. I know some of us are smiling. Yeah, but... When you get sick and your stomach turns, you, you have to throw up. Yes, you do. I get it. But what's the difference between kids and adults? Kids throw up on you. Adults go to a private place and throw up alone. But when it rises up in you, go get to a private place and bring it to prayer. Oh, dear God, I am a whiner and a complainer. Here's what's going on at work. Here's what's going on with my spouse. I am double-minded. Would you help defeat that in me? Give me more grace so I can go engage people and give them more grace. God, I'm going to be a whiner with you, but not with everybody else. And you go fix it. You don't have to run around and vomit on everybody. See, when Jesus says, let's go back to the start with self and with others, then do your job joyfully. How many of you love being around people with a good attitude? Good. Go be that person. Here's the third one. Let's go. Then be nice. Do what? Be nice. Uh, our family was at a restaurant recently and uh, asked the waitress, how you doing? And she said, oh, I, I, you know, I've had a good day, rough day. I just finished with the tough table. And she'd been our waitress a couple of times. She's really good. I said, oh, I'm sorry. She said, yeah, it was eight, ten people. And they were just, when you got to the table, you knew they were demanding people. She said, do you know what I mean? I said, I think I do. You just get there and you start talking to me like, oh my. They're just difficult. I knew I wasn't going to make them happy, but I worked hard to make them happy. I said, let me ask you something. Did you have to return any meals? Oh yeah. Did you have to comp some meals? Oh yeah. Did you get a good tip? Oh no. She said, but you know what I decided? I just walked away from it. I said, you know what? That helps me decide I don't want to be that person in life because miserable people try to make everybody else miserable, and I'm not going to let them make me miserable. Isn't that good? And it just Maybe I'm a little sensitive to it because my mom was a waitress when I was in high school, and I hated her having that job because people can be so demeaning and so mean. Just a couple side thoughts. Listen, be nice. Tell your neighbor right now. Just cross campuses. Just look to the person next to you and say, be nice. Just say, be nice. It's not that complicated. You know what mean is. Don't be that. Be nice. See, listen. If, if you go out to eat, and you go to a restaurant that has a waiter or a waitress, whatever your bill is, it's 20% more. And if you can't afford the 20% more, don't go out to eat. Because that's part of the deal. If you're like, well, that's over my head. I can't afford it. Then go to Chick-fil-A. It's awesome. And there's no waiter or waitress. You're good. And by the way, if you're a waiter or a waitress, they don't owe you 20%. You earn 20%, not because you're physically present, but because you did a good job. And you have a good attitude, too. And you be nice. 
This, this stuff has to get solved inside us so that we can serve everyone around us. Be nice to everybody. When you wake up in the morning, be nice. I'm not nice in the morning. Well, be nice. Because that's making it about you. Be nice in your family. Be nice on the road. Unless you're in the left lane, then get out of the left lane if you're not passing. Because nobody can be nice to somebody. Jesus can't be nice to somebody parked in. All right. That's irrelevant. And by the way, when I say be nice, you're not the nice police. You're not the police of niceness. When people make themselves permanent victims as the police of niceness and run around as if you're freed up from having to be nice while you evaluate whether or not everybody else is as nice, for heaven's sakes, get over yourself and just be nice. We don't need police. We don't need you everywhere you go. Oh, I'm just going to get online, and I'm going to give my answer to whether or not everybody's nice. If you run around and you're always evaluating if everybody's nice, guess who's usually not nice? You don't go to church. They weren't nice to me. Of course not. You were so busy evaluating, you weren't nice. Oh, they weren't nice to me at work. Guess who's probably the least nice? I don't know. I might be getting things off my chest rather than preaching, but, but, it, <laughs> but still, it's helpful. Be nice. I was talking with Jason uh, Barry, Pastor Jason, and he's telling me a story this past week. He said, man, just watch how God transforms people. This couple at work, um, and then there's a 12-stone 12 stoner working at the same place and they got conversations and the marriage of this person at work is just going badly and it's falling apart and it's miserable and it's going to end badly and 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 the 12 stoner said hey you ought to you ought to connect with one of our pastors you ought to check out reengage and they did they hooked him up and they they called up and they got signed up for reengage that was their entry door here and they came through reengage and you know what happened at reengage they discovered they had conflicts within and they came to faith in Jesus Christ and they were transformed from the inside out they got right with God, they're going to heaven. Glory to God. That's an awesome thing. We celebrate that. But you know what then God does in their life? Then God changes them from the inside out, and they become people who start with self and end with others. They do their job joyfully, and they start to be nice, and they go to God in prayer all throughout the, the day, so to speak. They learn that I can bring my double-mindedness to God, and that's, that's where it gets defeated. And then God gives me more grace, so we can give more grace to one another in our marriage. You know what they recently said? Their story, this is the best our marriage has ever been. We're beyond ministry. We're into a reasonable, happy, joyous marriage relationship, thanks be to God. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's the stuff God does. That, this is the stuff God does. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And it answers big questions. Like, how can you experience God's plan for joy in life and relationships? <laughs> well, then Jesus told us, live the golden rule rooted in prayer. Listen, I don't know what your plan is, but I can tell you this, it's not working. <laughs> God has a plan. And I'm going to turn the surface over to the campus pastors. I want to take a moment to engage God in prayer so he can continue to transform us. I stand in the presence of God this morning. He's here and he's worthy of our worship. Let's put our hands together. Come on. Right here. Magnificent in all his ways. Come on and sing. Magnificent. 